calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Let's hang out. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Les Hangout, the podcast where we are family. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. And we're surviving <laughs> 2020. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love it. <laughs> From the West Coast, I'm Lee Holmes Foster. And from the East Coast, I'm Ellie Brigida. To those of you who have been with us through this whole journey, thank you as always for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're excited to have you here. And here's what's happening this week. This week in the Lesdom. This Week in the Lesdom is a place where we can touch base each episode about things going on with the podcast or otherwise. And this week, first of all, thank you, thank you, thank you all so much We made our goal and then some for the flame, which is really exciting because that meant that we got to do our table read this past weekend. I, (laughs) I just, I really don't have words for how incredible it is to be able to actually hear the words and have this entire story ready to be told for you. It was really amazing and it is all because of you that we can do this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. We cannot wait for you to hear this ridiculously gay musical. We will not stop talking about it until it comes out. So don't worry. In the greater Les universe, Elliot Page very recently came out as trans. We are so happy for him living as his authentic self and for any of our listeners who are in the trans community who see themselves represented with Elliot. We are so happy for you and happy for Elliot. Another thing we need to talk about in the Les universe is the happiest season. Don't worry, we will be having an episode on that in a few weeks. All I'm going to say for now is justice for Riley, justice for Jane. We will get into it. We also want to tell you about a new movie from Tello. It's called I Hate New Year's, and it's actually one of the cutest holiday films we've seen in a really long time. There's original music incorporated in it. The two main leads are both professional singers, so their songs are actually really incredible. You can check that out on Tello. We highly recommend it. 
Before we start this episode, we want to give you all a trigger warning that we do talk a little bit about suicide, suicide prevention, and Elena's own struggle with suicidal thoughts. It's not the main focus of this episode, but it's a big part of Elena's coming out journey, so we felt like it was important to talk about. For any of our listeners who might be more sensitive to that topic, we want to give you a heads up before you listen to this episode. That's what's happening this week. Back to you, Ellie and Lee. Thanks, Ellie and Lee. We are so excited to bring you episode seven of season four, Raising Gabies These Davies, (laughs) (laughs) with a special guest. With a special guest, we are so happy to be joined by Elena Joy Thurston tonight. Hey, you guys. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) We're very happy to have you, and we appreciate you hanging out with us in your hotel room on the road. This is so exciting. It really the is. The dedication. <laughs> yes, very dedicated. I would not miss you guys. You are a non-negotiable. Yes. <laughs> Stop it. But no, please, more. Uh, <laughs> for those of you in our audience, Elena Joy Thurston is an inspirational speaker, organizational trainer, and a writer and the founder of the Pride and Joy Foundation, an organization that is dedicated to decreasing the suicide rate in the LGBTQ community. We really are. We're so happy to have you here, and we're excited to talk with you today. So why don't you tell us a bit more about the Pride and Joy Foundation? Yeah, so the Pride and Joy Foundation is so new. We just started when COVID hit. It was like on my bucket list, like it was in the five-year plan, you know, but I was doing so much speaking last fall, yeah, last September, I was doing a TED Talk and it kind of blew up and it was awesome. And I started being able to speak all over the country and then March hit, right? And I had eight speaking gigs cancel within 24 hours, like everything on my books. And I did what everyone did and laid down on the floor and covered my head with a blanket. <laughs> Sounds right. I'm still there, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't moved. Lee has a blanket right now. We cannot see her. <laughs> yeah. So then it was just like, once I started hearing from, there were so many young people, young queer people that had to be quarantined with families that didn't know how to affirm them. Like either they didn't even know or they didn't know how to be affirming And then we also had like parents, like mixed orientation marriages who were like, holy crap, I thought I could fake it, but I can't fake it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, no. Like so much of that happened. And so then it was like, all right, the plan is sped up. Foundation needs to get started. We've got to start building a community. We've got to find these people and reach out to them. So yeah, that's how it all started. It's interesting because we noticed the same thing. Like we get, you know, we get emails and messages like on on Instagram and stuff from our listeners. And we've been saying like, and even from like the earlier days of quarantine that Ellie and I noticed that like the amount of outreach that we would get and also the quantity uh, in, but like the tone and the type of messages that we started getting like over quarantine that we would hear a lot more from listeners like in those situations I can't go back to college Mm -hmm. and you know I came out last year and my family doesn't know Mm -hmm. or my family isn't okay with it or we just felt there was like this very stark difference in the amount of like 
people seeking like just I need that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, are you out there? And yeah, I mean it's it was like immediately noticeable, I think, like the difference that that made. So yeah, we we support you making a foundation <laughs> to yes. help deal with it because yes. it is. I mean, it's like I it's a you know, in these unprecedented times, um, it's just not something that I think people have really even ever been prepared for how to navigate, you know. Absolutely. And I feel like our national our our worldwide baseline anxiety level has just really increased. And Mm -hmm. so so for those of us that struggle with anxiety, like our baseline level doubled, right? But now we have the people in our life who didn't used to struggle with anxiety and they were like our safe harbors. Mm -hmm. And now they have a baseline level too, right? And then we just turn on anything and our anxiety goes up even more. Like, so all of our coping strategies are out the door. Yeah. <laughs> is it funny, though? Because I'm like, I feel like as someone who's had a lifetime of dealing with anxiety, like I felt so prepared for this. I'm like, oh, crazy baseline anxiety levels. That's uh, yeah, I've trained for this. <laughs> you're, you're like a marathon anxiety <laughs> runner. I'm ready for this. Just worrying all the time about the worst possible outcome of every situation. Oh like, yeah, that's my jam. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm so ready. I love it. I'm crushing for. Yes is what I'm saying. No, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I do think like we, I mean, we all need more resources. So it's great that you have started this foundation. I wanted to actually go back a bit because you said something in your intro that I think our listeners might want to know more about. So you said mixed orientation marriages. Mm. I think that's a good jumping point to sort of start to talk about your coming out story slash origin story. So number one, what does mixed orientation marriage mean? Sure. Yeah. So mixed orientation marriage is where a couple, usually a husband and wife, one of them is usually on the LGBTQ spectrum somewhere, and one of them usually identifies as straight. You definitely have those couples, especially in religious communities where the man is gay, the woman is also a lesbian, but they have a desire to have a traditional family to live out a traditional lifestyle, those people totally find each other and somehow find happiness. And I love that. Um, But that's definitely outside of the norm. Typically in a mixed orientation marriage, you have someone who's straight and someone who's not. And um, sometimes people don't realize they're in a mixed orientation (laughs) marriage. (laughs) That would be me. (laughs) It happens. It happens. So, yeah, so I was married at age 20. I was part of a really conservative faith community, and um, it was very much encouraged that you needed to get married. In fact, getting married and sealed in their holy temple was the only way to return to heaven and get to heaven and be with God and that whole thing. If you're single, too bad, so sad. So I did that, right? I mean, like, when heaven's on the line, you do whatever you need to do. You gotta so, do it. Right? So yeah, I got engaged at 19 and married at 20 and had four kids by 30. And then the last one went off to school. And sometime when I was 37, I realized, oh dear, I really like women. <laughs> and that might be why I hate my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I was a part of that. And every podcast I go on, every interview that I do, every week I hear from women who have heard the story and men as well. And they've said, oh, my gosh, like, I thought I was the only one. 
I really thought I was mm-hmm. the only one. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes there are messages that are typed out to me, like in the middle of the night in their closet saying, I've been trapped for so long and now I have all these kids and I don't know how to get out of it. And I don't think there's a way. And I thought I was the only one. Right. And so that's been a great part of the outreach is to help these. It's awesome helping queer kids for sure. And young adults and getting them started on a really great path to a fulfilling, successful life. But it's also been amazing to be able to reach those adults that are struggling mostly because they think they're the only ones when they are so not the only ones. No, they're not. And it I mean, it's honestly, it's something that we've had, um, you know, had listeners reach out to us as well, because it's not it's not the experience that Ellie or I had, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's something that we hear a lot where where people who do come out later and it's so much different, I think, in terms of forming that connection to queer community, learning about the queer community and figuring out how to find their own place in it, mm-hmm. you know, because I think they pushed it away for such a long time that yeah. it's like they almost feel like they can't reach out and like make those connections. Oh, yeah. um, and so we've had people reach out as well and say, you know, like, I would I would love for you to, to talk about like coming out later in life as well, um, because it is such a common story. I mean, it is like you're you're not alone, <laughs> you know, like you just want to you just want to like hold these people and say, like, it's not just you, like plenty of people either like just eat, literally don't realize it for a long time or pointedly ignore it. Yeah for a long time, um, even without the specter of, you know, a heavenless future mm-hmm. uh, looming above them. Like, it's just, even just with society still, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, there are a lot of factors that that keep people really pushing it down. I understand that. Yeah. But you're here now. That's what That's what's important. <laughs> it's so fun because we often refer to each other and ourselves as late bloomers. We're late bloomers. And it's so fun to find each other because until we do, the only community we can find is like the Instagram lesbians and the TikTok lesbians. (laughs) And and luckily there's What if you're both? (laughs) Right? (laughs) So luckily it's good to find like it's good to find your people and just to know you're not the only one. I'm just so curious because Lee and I Lee and I are late bloomers to TikTok, I would say. Um, we very recently got but in. But we fall hard. <laughs> Have you and seen I, those women? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there a community on TikTok for late bloomers? Yes. Use the hashtag. Late I bloomers. love it. Oh, my God. I want to. That's so I exciting. Want, I want to find them all. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> That's really exciting. Also for people in our audience, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're trying to find people, mm-hmm. TikTok is so cool for so many different things. We like, And our TikTok jingle. Insert <laughs> Here. <laughs> but it is it is such a cool place to find community. So let's actually let's talk a bit more about community. One of the things we really wanted to talk about in this episode is finding support mm-hmm. as an LGBTQ parent, but honestly just as a parent yes. during COVID. Yeah. What have what has been your experience with that? Holy cow, it's taken our family through the ringer. There's no doubt. You know, teenagers are really hard regardless, right? Just stupid hard. Like, you want to kill them, no matter any of the circumstances. (laughs) And then you have coming out to your kids, right? And usually a divorce along with that. And so, okay, you've, you've really screwed up the dynamic even more. And it's really easy to be like, oh, he's treating me this way because I came out to him last year. 
well, actually, he'd probably be a dick regardless, right? <laughs> so, because he's 16. Like, that's just is what it is. Um, but then you add them being quarantined at home with you for six months. Yeah. And losing all of their friends. Um, my son lost his high school graduation. He lost his high school prom. He almost, his college almost didn't start in the fall. They have, but they're constantly under threat of being shut down if the numbers get too high. I mean, these kids have lost so much. And anyone, but especially teenagers, when they lose safety and stability, well, now they're going to push every freaking boundary they can, right? Because they need to know something is stable. Something is the way it used to be. So if I do this and piss mom off, is she going to come down on me? Because that's going to feel safe, right? And so it's just, and when there's four of them, they just take turns. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Right? (laughs) So, yeah, it's been such a challenge. I love this because um, when Ellie asked you to to tell us a little bit about your coming out story, and you also called it her origin story, Ellie, and I was was thinking at the time, I was like, I feel like we should always call call our coming out stories our origin stories, because then we sound like superheroes. Yes. Um, But I think this is reinforcing my view of you as a superhero, Elena, so... um, (laughs) What is your superpower is what I want to know. Wait, are you actually asking her superpower? (laughs) Because I think clearly she has a lot. I know, right? (laughs) Oh, my God. Your superpower is uh, four children and not uh, throwing them in a dumpster on any given day. Yeah, I think (laughs) the true power of all parents. (laughs) For real, there's like, we talked about anxiety baseline, but I also think there's like a parenting baseline in this quarantine that we're going through. Mm -hmm. And that parenting baseline is if you can get to the end of the day and CPS hasn't knocked on your door, that's a party. That's a celebration right there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So really the secret to parenting during the quarantine is just lower expectations. Cut yourself a break way lower. Yeah. Because if you think about all the mental fatigue that's happening, I mean, when we're tired, regardless, we don't communicate well. Right. And so when you have six people in a house that are all tired emotionally and physically, and they literally don't know what the president of the country is going to do in the next hour. Right. Like that is exhausting. And so the miscommunication is a big deal. It's a really big deal. And so being tender with yourself and with your kids, it's your saving grace. I mean, the the pandemic, the quarantine, it's like it's hard on everyone, Yeah, <laughs> just everyone. But I think for parents, like there's a whole other layer where you're not just trying to work through your own mm-hmm. shit mm-hmm. for yourself. Right. Like we are all dealing with our anxiety mm-hmm. uh, climbing up or you're dealing with, you know, like you know, the loss of your social life mm-hmm. or the loss of work or the loss of people Mm -hmm. i mean but so it's like we're all dealing with our own stuff but then uh for parents especially through this like we're also dealing with like every one of our kids emotional loads as well in ways that like i don't think parents have ever really been trained to do you know i mean i think as much as like you learn a lot with having kids not every parent is like a trained therapist right (laughs) to know how to navigate all of this um so yeah, I feel like there's like two main things that I hope every parent knows have access to. One is the therapists are all online right now. So you can get access to any therapist in the country. You don't only have to go to the one in your state right now or the one in your town right now, right? 
So all of my kids have video therapists that they can access. They can make, they know how to make their own appointments. They just go in their room with their phone and they get to have therapy in their own bedroom on their phone with their headphones and their own therapist. But I will say that's incredible privilege, right? I mean, I can afford it. I can't afford it. Actually, my ex-husband pays for it. But it's in, if you have the money that is available to you. And luckily, there are really great programs, especially for LGBTQ youth and their parents. Um, like I'm thinking just right now in Utah, there's this uh, program called Encircle House, like Circle, but Encircle House. They have three different physical locations, but during quarantine, they've opened up their programs online. You can get, if you don't have insurance, you can get free therapy via a video call, and it is specifically affirming the LGBTQ experience. I mean, oh, that's awesome, right? Like that's incredible. So please don't feel like you have to be your kid's therapist, right? Like reach out and find someone good because you're teaching them, okay, when we're in a hard time and I need extra help, it is available and I can find it. And it's socially acceptable to do that because everyone in my family can do that, right? Like yeah. I didn't start therapy until I was 38 years old. My daughter is 10 years old and she's in therapy, right? So she knows for the rest of her life that when things get to be too much, it's just too intense oh, let me just go talk to my therapist. You know, I'm curious because I know one of the things that I've always felt like personally for me going to therapy that I think has always been like a, a super helpful thing is gaining like a language, right? Yeah. Like you gain access to a language and like with so many things, as soon as you have words to talk about something, it also allows you to see it better, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, allows you to like pinpoint things that are happening. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious in the context of, because I, I feel like we're, we're sort of having like two parallel conversations at the same time that I think we like don't know how to settle on which one we really want to talk about. <laughs> which one is honestly is about, fine. Let's go for both. No, yeah, I think <laughs> I'm not even trying to stop it. I'm just going to let it happen. But so we kind of are, are discussing two things. One of them is the idea of like, being queer parents, mm -hmm. like being uh, LGBTQ parents. Mm -hmm. And the other is parenting LGBTQ kids. Right. Right. And so I'm curious, like, what do you see as the differences as someone who did come out later in life? Mm -hmm. And and I'm assuming had to do that whole learning mm -hmm. queer stuff, right? Versus like kids today who are like so steeped in just knowledge and they are so much more aware of so many things than like we ever were at their age. Oh, yeah. Like what is the difference there when you're working with like those two groups in terms of like navigating that familiarity with stuff? Wow, that's an intense question. I think the first thing that helps bring a unifying feeling to that is Re helping parents and kids recognize that the LGBTQ community is one of the only marginalized communities in the world who are not born to parents of the same marginalized community. So like when you have a black kid, he's typically born to black parents and those parents get it on a fundamental level of what his life is gonna look like and the struggles and the triumphs that he can anticipate, right? When an LGBTQ kid is born to straight parents, as is typical, right? That might not be typical by the time Gen Z are parents, but it is typical right, right now, yeah. right? They don't get it. They have to try really hard. And even then, it comes from an understanding of empathy. It doesn't come from an understanding of lived experiences. 
right? And so that's why in the Pride and Joy Foundation, we actually, our community, we specifically put together parents of queer kids and queer parents with presumably straight kids. Because what we've noticed is that we have these straight parents will come on to the discussion group and they'll be like, okay, my 16-year-old is gay and I need to have the sex talk with him. And how the hell do I do that? I have no idea yeah. how to have the sex talk with a, a gay boy, right? And then you've got these queer parents that are like, I got you. Like, <laughs> let me help you out with that. Um, but by the way, my baby has a baby has a bum rash that I don't know how to deal with. And so can someone help me out with that? Right. <laughs> so I think bringing those groups together and for those straight parents to be able to have those friendships with queer parents and to see like, oh my gosh, they're functional. They're happy. They're parents. I see that my kid can grow up to be that. Like I can hold that vision for him or her or they, right? that they can grow up and have this functional family and contribute to society, be mentally stable, like all those things, right? And those queer parents can look and see like, there's so much that like they often don't take in, you know, like, for example, this is a really dumb example, but uh, we had a discussion on the board recently about um, the brat diet. I don't know if you guys know what that is. Okay, so it's any, like when when you're sick, when you're or, sick, right? Bananas, rice, yeah. applesauce, and what's the tea? I can't remember. Uh, toast. There it is, toast. And so a lot of us moms, seasoned moms, were like, "Oh, your baby's like has a ton of diarrhea." Okay, this is what you do, right? And it was just something that like almost no queer adult in the community knew about. Like it just, I'm sure it's huh. been talked about around them, but it, it, I don't think often my peers that are queer didn't envision themselves having kids, right? And so they didn't pick up on a lot of those cultural things. But now they're in that situation. They really want to have kids. They've figured out a way to have kids. But there's all these nuances that are really challenging. So it's really fun to bring those groups together and let them support each other. That's awesome. That's actually a really interesting concept that I'm like, that makes so much sense. But it's like, like to be like a a gay teenager or a gay, like, gay person in college, and you're just like, yeah, you didn't envision your life being traditional, so you're not going to, like, prep yourself for it. Yeah. That's so, like, and I didn't even, like, really think so much about that, but that's very interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's okay, Ellie. If you don't feel ready, you can reach out to me whenever you have kids. I know. uh, I mean, it's going to be a while from now, so it's fine. (laughs) We got you. Don't worry. We got you. There you go. But I do appreciate that. Also, like, totally wasn't crying during that last. (laughs) No, but it's, but you know what it is? Is like sometimes it is those, like, it's like the odd couple. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, you know, it's that same feeling that you get when, like, a penguin and a lion became best friends, you know? And, like, it's. (laughs) Yes, it's like the penguin and the lion. Oh my gosh. I, we'll penguins. let the audience chime in. We'll put up a poll. Um, but it, but it's also like sometimes it's the things where you're like, but also they make such sense. Like mm-hmm. it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I I feel like all I could think of was when when nursing homes will have programs where mm-hmm. they like you know like bring older people into hospitals to just like rock babies who need like skin to skin contact and stuff. And you're like, oh right, like the most obvious Mm -hmm. pairing in this situation. It's so right. It's like, you just have a group of people who like need 
something to do Mm -hmm. that like they can do and that all they have is like time and endless patience and love Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then you have teeny tiny little babies who just need to be held and loved and you're like right there it is there There it is is. there it is you know that's that's what it feels like we have a third group in our discussion which are these allies that are like okay i was not raised to be an ally i don't even know what all the letters mean but my favorite niece in the entire world has come out and i want to know how to be a good ally for her so can i ask the really dumb questions and will no one make me feel like a jerk right so we provide space for that. And then what's awesome is we have these straight parents of, of gay kids that are like, oh, I know what the letters are. Let me educate you. <laughs> and then they feel like they're like, I'm the cool parent. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> I love that. And also just just the fact that somebody is coming to you in the first place, wanting to be better. Mm-hmm. Like, that's wonderful. I agree. Yeah. Like, that's I the first it. step. I love it because I think they know... I mean, I present very straight, right? And I walked that walk for my entire life. And so I think they know I can come into the space and ask those really dumb questions because Elena has already shown me that she's done that too. And she even identifies as a lesbian and she still doesn't know all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it's okay. There's a lot of stuff. I feel like that these, that right? these kids these know kids. that we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so true. The youth are all right. That's what we always land on. They yes. are. Yes. They really are. Where Where do you usually start? Like when you have, you know, parents, their kid has come out, they are, you know, kind of realizing and maybe making that decision that they need to like step up a little more maybe in some areas. Like where do you usually start or or how does that conversation usually start in terms of like helping them make more of that effort Mm -hmm. so um using the assumption that their kid has already come out to them right and now they're trying to perform more as an ally the very first thing i suggest they do is write down their own sexuality story like when did you know you were straight did you ever have to tell your parents that you were straight and those questions alone like really help them to open their mind a little bit. And then it's, how did you form your opinions about sexuality? Like, did you have a faith framework that was telling you what man was and what woman was and what sexuality was? Or did you have a family that had strong opinions about that? Or did you know a gay kid as a child and then he committed suicide in college? And how did that affect you? Right? So Mm -hmm. it's like being able to dig into your own sexuality story. You will never be a good support for your kid or an ally for your kid until you figured your own stuff out. So that's like kind of the first step. I feel like that's a framework, like even just like a a paradigm of thought that I feel like most straight parents will never even have thought of. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I didn't for sure. I didn't. (laughs) I'm also like, this is like, this is like the ridiculous gay in me, but I'm like, also, how many of these parents realize they're gay too? <laughs> they're like, wait, <laughs> wait, no, I'm just kidding. So many, I'm not kidding, like, so many of the parents that are in our group didn't come out until their kid did. And then it, like, took down all of their, a lot of the times they came from really conservative cultures. And so it took down all of that. For many of these parents, they immediately went to, like, mama bear mode, like, no one's mm-hmm. going to hurt my child. I'm their biggest defender. And they get to know their kid really well. And they start seeing themselves in their kid. And so it's uh, very I love it often. So much. Yeah. It's very often that especially a mom or 
I haven't heard of too many dads, but I think that's because I'm a woman and more women gravitate towards me. But definitely there are so many moms that are like, yeah, three years after my kid came out as trans, I realized, yeah, I'm totally a lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) Not surprised. So incredible. It's like, I, it just makes me think of, I just saw a, a post on Twitter where someone was saying that they were in a class and some girl had to get up and it was like some argument against gay marriage. And it was like, she was like, well, of course, like you can't allow gay marriage because then like every girl would marry a woman. Like nobody would marry men. Like, am I right, girls? And like every other girl in the class is like, cricket, cricket. (laughs) And she's like, right. I mean, like obviously everybody, if they had that choice, would obviously marry a woman that would be the big problem with allowing gay marriage. So, yeah. A girl needs to realize some things about herself. (laughs) Oh my gosh, but isn't that like so many of us that came out later in life? Like, I remember I had a pivotal moment. I'd gone out for like a girl's night with a good friend. We were standing in line at a bakery to get a cinnamon roll. And she's complaining about her husband, like all wives do. And I said something. It was like a joke, which was like, well, it's not like wives enjoy sex anyway. And she, like, stopped. And she was like, no, Elena, some of us really do enjoy sex. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, Oh, no. Shit. (laughs) Not good. You're like, damn, I thought we all thought the same thing. Right? (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Oh, no. (laughs) It's okay. One time, uh, like, one time I was on a car trip with my friends. And we were playing this stupid game where they were like, you know, who's the most likely to do this? Who's the most likely yep. to do this? Like, you know, whatever. And then one of them was like, oh, who do you think's the most likely to be gay? And like, we're all straight in the car, right? Uh-huh. And I was like, I know it's me. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and then like literally like didn't come out for like four years after that. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I'm the most likely to, but I'm still straight just like you. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like so bad. The self-denial so bad. is strong with this one. It's strong. Yeah, it was it very is. strong. It is. It is. Very strong. It's like, if it was anyone, it would be me, but it wouldn't be any of but us. But it's, so it's definitely fine. not, Also, obviously. like, two out of three of us are some sort of queer from that car, so. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> it happens. It, it happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, also a completely different conversation, but wonderful. It's the hindsight for me, Ellie. That's, uh, <laughs> oh, that's look at you is. talking Gen Z. I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. I'm going to be cool for the kids, okay? <laughs> oh, Lord. I love it. <laughs> I just want to keep telling stories why we didn't know we were gay forever. All right. Um, I'm down for that. <laughs> we could. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. So, no, tell, tell, talk a little bit about, because the... Time and the process of you coming out mm-hmm. to your own kids. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That so that all happened obviously like before all of the pandemic yes. and all of the quarantine and everything. Um, but that 
process of having to, like, deal with these big, like, world-shattering things and new discussions and, like... And I think also, like, opening up a different vulnerability Mm-hmm. with your kids probably you know i imagine than you than you probably had before like how did those sorts of things help better prepare you for like parenting during these unprecedented times i feel like we need a jingle for that these days jesus yes. <laughs> for real uh, yeah that's an excellent question i love that question because it's so pertinent so when I was coming out, I think I referred to, I was in a very religious framework. And so my husband and I and my kids, we were all Mormon and we lived that. We weren't like kind of Mormon. We were like way Mormon. Right. And because I was a person who looking back in hindsight, I realized I had a lot of anxiety. (laughs) Um, But at the time I didn't think of it as anxiety. I thought of it as I'm a high achiever right? I can, Mm -hmm. I can do everything. And, and I do it really damn well. Of course, I didn't say damn back then. And, (laughs) (laughs) and so we, we towed the line. I mean, I was the one that taught my kids because I had been taught by the church. I taught my kids that if you masturbate, it'll turn you gay. Like I was that parent, right? Wow. Yeah. And so when I was struggling to not a lesbian when I was struggling to not be completely and totally overwhelmed with this woman I had met I had enrolled myself in conversion therapy and conversion therapy is a 57 percent suicide rate so I did end up there and I survived and I'm very 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 lucky and uh, that took a lot of healing an intense amount of healing and I had to do it very quickly because I had to prove that I would be a fit mom to my kids because I was then going through a divorce. So I had to prove to a judge very quickly that, yes, I had mental illness struggles. I had dealt with suicide, but now I'm doing all these things. And when the custody of your four kids is on the line, you might not have meditated last year, but you're damn well going to meditate this year. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And so, like, the judge had access to my therapy records. I went every week on the clock. I took my meds every day. I journaled every day. I went for a walk every day. I meditated every day. Like I was doing so much to prove to the judge that I could be a fit mom. And of course, when you do all of that for an extended amount of time, well, you learn a lot about yourself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. And so I am now the mom that instead of teaching them how to police their bodies and police their actions and police their thoughts, I'm now, the, the conversation at the dinner table is, hey guys, mom had this crazy trigger today and this is how it manifested and this is how I figured out what it was about and this is how I resolved it. And mm-hmm. that's like very typical conversation in our family because the fact is, is that very early on, I had a social worker tell me One, she had never met a conversion therapy survivor before. And two, as we parted ways, she said, Elena, you are only a survivor until you are a statistic. Your mental health has to be your number one priority for the rest of your life. And I took that very, very seriously because I'd rather my kids have a gay mom than a dead mom. I utilize mindfulness. I utilize self-awareness in my healing on a daily basis. It is my utmost priority. And so I've learned a lot about it and I've learned how to explain it in really good, accessible ways that anyone, even the suburban soccer mom, can 
relate to and figure out how to integrate it into her life. And so that has been pivotal in this whole quarantine thing, both for myself, but also for working with my kids and helping them realize, okay, yeah, your anxiety, it doesn't manifest the way my anxiety does. Your anxiety Mm. manifests like this. And oh, 18-year-old, your depression doesn't manifest the way mine does. Your depression manifests like this. And so let's start figuring out that when we get to step three in the depression process, what are the coping skills that we're going to put into place, right? I love it so much. <laughs> Lee's therapy nerding out. I am. I'm also like like therapy and like positive, mindful parenting nerding out. Like I just because you know my my two and a half year old isn't quite uh, at those discussions yet. So, but I just I love to like dream about getting there. That's my dream. So it's I so am nerding cool. Out. It's so cool when you get there. It really is. And I wish. Yeah. I wish so much. I mean, I essentially, I did not raise my boys that way. You know, I mean, it's only been in the last two years that I've really been able to cultivate that language and those habits and that mindset. And so, like, I have an 18-year-old now. You know, he was raised by the mom who would white knuckle through every single day and thought that all the moms in the neighborhood were doing that. So it was normal, right? Like, he was raised by a mom that when he accidentally found porn on the computer, oh my gosh, it was really horrible for him how I reacted. It was traumatic for him how I reacted. So it's it's kind of hard. It's almost like I'm parenting against my ghost. And I think a lot of late bloomer parents understand what that feels like. Like my kids were raised by my ghost. And now I'm mm. trying to come to them and say, I'm not that person anymore. You can be honest with me. Like you yeah. can say what you're feeling with me. I'm not going to have the same reaction that I had five years ago. But, you know, that's a really slow road. Ghosts don't fade away quickly. But I also, I love that, like, I mean, A, I love the imagery of it because it's uh, wonderful. But I also, I love that because I think it's something that is hard. It just, just to flip us back to our other parallel track briefly, join me over here. But it is something that I think like when straight parents, when their kids come out to them, Mm -hmm. you know, is that I think there is a, a really common narrative that we as queer people hate, but that I think is very real for them of like, you know, I have lost something you know like i like my daughter came out and i have lost the future son-in-law that i always imagined having or the grandkids that i always imagined having and i think that in some ways like you've lost a lot of times you've lost the reality Mm -hmm. of feeling like you knew who your kid was you know because i think uh i think there is that sense that um a lot of us, like, you hide it for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's like you're kind of dealing with, like, yes, this, like, who, there's the, the ghost that you pretended to be mm-hmm. for so long. And then there's the person that you really are that now they have to, like, let go of that old person and get to know the the new one that's that's being mm-hmm. offered up. But, you know, I think there is, like, that type of similarity, at least, in, in those two... Again, these sort of parallel discussions that we keep having. Yeah. In fact, um, one of literally my most popular Instagram posts I've ever done, it was a picture of my girlfriend with the two girls in the kitchen. They were baking because that's what they did all quarantine. And I took a photo of that and I captioned it with, I know this isn't what Kristen's mom envisioned for her. You know, I know this isn't 
the life of parenting kids that aren't hers, you know, of the whole thing. It's just not what her mom envisioned. And, and the point of that post was to give her mom permission to grieve that. It is okay mm-hmm. to grieve that loss. And in fact, you're not going to move past it until you've grieved it. That post got passed around so many times. There were so many queer people that sent it to their in-laws or sent it to their parents and said, please grieve because I want to have a relationship with you again. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an interesting take because I think too, a lot of the times as a queer like child, you want it to be like, I came out. All right. You love me. Everything's right. perfect. You know, like <laughs> there's no, like there's no bridge in between. Right, like right. you thinking I was this and now I'm this. And so I think it's nice to have that as the child to give your parents a little bit of space to also be human. Yeah. Yeah. And like hope that they come out on the other side of it. Yeah. Having processed and then being able to be the person that you want them to be. It does feel like a dagger to the heart when people you love have to process who you are now, because it feels like, well, nothing's really changed. I'm still the same person I was an hour ago. You just happen to know this other part of me now. And and so when they say things like, I need some time, or this is going to take a bit for me to get used mm-hmm. to, right? It can feel like a dagger to the heart for the person who's hearing yeah. it, right? But it is reality, unfortunately, or fortunately, we as humans need to process news. And we, our brains literally are wired to put things in boxes. And it just takes a bit to move your relationship with that person from one box to another. It's just the wiring in your brain. And if you let it be what it is, you can move through the process a lot easier. But I know that in the beginning, one of my girlfriend's aunts, that was her response was, oh, this is going to take some time. I'll call you was her response. And I just, I watched her crumble under that, you know, and, and all I could say was, it's not you, honey. It's not you. It's not you. It's not even her. It's a little piece of her. It's just, it's the piece that's running the show right now. And that's yeah. Yeah. It is, but it's also, you know, what's funny is while we're talking about this community that we need to uh, go find of late bloomers is like, I wonder if that piece of it is actually probably easier, I think, um, for people who come out later to understand, you know, because I do think it's hard. I mean, when you look at, you know, like I came out when I was 16. I mean, it's like, I think there was a way in which I accepted a lot of the things you know Mm -hmm. like because it's something that i've talked about um like my wife and i have talked about sometimes especially when we started thinking about having kids Mm -hmm. you know and so you would talk to as you get to that age where you're starting to like both you know like plan or or friends getting pregnant and things like that it's also when you learn uh of if any of your close friends who are having trouble getting pregnant Mm -hmm. you know or Mm -hmm. might have trouble getting pregnant or have had health reasons that would make it like impossible for them to get pregnant and it's something that we would talk about that i would always say i think is really interesting because it's like i have close friends who i've had conversations with who i know you know like probably can't like conceive naturally Mm -hmm. or uh or friends who have had a lot of trouble conceiving naturally Mm -hmm. um and have you know obviously like a lot of emotional 
things that that come up around that and that I always say like it's it's interesting because it's not like I don't understand where where they're coming from but it is always funny when you know like when you're talking to someone who is like breaking down at the idea that like oh my god if I like you know if I meet someone and get married like we might not be able to have kids together and I'm like uh-huh yep <laughs> yep yeah, I mean, like, that's a thing I've known since I was 16. So, I mean, I get it. And I understand that, like, that's not something that you ever saw for your own life. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's also, like, it does, it's hard sometimes to push down that instinct where you're like, so what do you think about my family, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, like, you can still, there's ways to have a family still, mm -hmm. you know? And and it's like, and you know that's not what they mean, and it's not where they're coming from, and it's not where their minds are, and, right. and I know that. But I do wonder, like, when you come out later, and you have a family, and a life, and a friend a group, and a social circle, and a network, and a routine, and a home, and, you know, like, there are so many different things about coming out when you're 37 than when you're 16, you yeah. know, like it is not the same ball game. And I'm sure in some ways, like even just you saying like I'm parenting against my own ghost, like there are ways in which you lost a lot yourself of like your own life and your vision of your future and, and what you wanted so hard for it to be mm -hmm. um, that I, I imagine probably make it easier to understand someone having to process all of that. Yes. Yes, I can totally agree with all of that. That that the maturity. <laughs> There's not and, even a question in there. I'm just right? talking. At you. <laughs> yeah, like you have to process so much about yourself that you then just you naturally have empathy for other people processing new information, right? Yeah, it can be such a challenge to. I think a lot of people have had to reinvent themselves later in life, and especially after this pandemic. I think a lot of us are in the midst of reinventing ourselves during this, right? A lot of us have lost careers. We've lost loved ones. Mm -hmm. We've lost the potential for the career. Like those poor kids that are in broadcast journalism major right now. Yeah, they are screwed. <laughs> like there's a lot of, <laughs> yep. there's a lot of issues, yeah. right? And so I think being able to be self-aware and to use those um, strategies to know who you are, regardless of what label is on you, you are then able to keep moving forward and keep building who you are because you have a really good foundation. The scariest thing for me was to realize, okay, I'm going through a divorce. I need to plan my future. Like literally in Arizona where I got divorced, uh, if you want alimony, it's not a given. You have to prove to the judge, even if you've been married 18 years, <laughs> you have to prove to the judge that you have a plan. You're not going to be a mooch on society. This is how you're going to get re-put into the workforce, right? So I had to do that in the midst of not knowing who the hell I was. I had been mm. a Mormon, stay-at-home, suburban mom. I had been a photographer. Well, 80% of my business refused to talk to me anymore. So I lost that as well. I lost all of my friends. I had no idea who I was. And so in that space of identity crisis, I was also having to make future plans and commit to what my career was going to be. And so like the only way to do that was to really get down to like core values. Who am I? I'm being a mom that describes me. It doesn't define me. You know, being a lesbian, again, it describes me. It doesn't define me. It's not 
it's a part of my life. It's not my life, you know? And so being a straight woman and, and quote unquote, losing that, losing that straight identity, I had to realize that that wasn't actually who I was. That was just a label. It was just a description. I needed to get back in touch with like my core and then I could Mm. make choices about my future and move forward. Yeah. Well, and I wonder in some ways, like, you know, you mentioned that that whole um, aspect of like the mindfulness and suddenly like when you don't have stuff taking up your mind and time, um, like realizing so much more about yourself. (laughs) um, I I do feel like that is something that we are seeing uh, more in right now, like while everyone has. Time. Yeah, all time. Time, time is the only thing that we do have right yeah. now. Time with ourselves. That's all we've got, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's like, yeah, I feel like we are seeing seeing more of that. People coming to some self-realization, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yes. It's good times. It's good times. It is. <laughs> we're, we're making the best of it. Final question. What a piece of advice do you have for people who are parenting during this pandemic? Final advice. I define, I use um, three different words that all mean the same thing. Mindfulness, self-awareness, and emotional intelligence. And I use them interchangeably just depending on who my audience is. Um, Because some people, mindfulness, that's like way too woo-woo. The definition is the same for all three of them for me. I teach that it is the intentional observation of our thoughts, actions, and feelings without judgment. Many of us, have things in our head that we're so ashamed that we've either said or done or felt that we've covered it with like a blanket and we're ignoring it because it's too it feels too shameful to admit for example i was hating my life hating it there were voices in my head telling me how much i hated my life but i just i shoved that in the corner and refused to acknowledge it because i was living the most privileged blessed life I mean, my husband was a tax partner. He drove a Tesla. I had the minivan. We were in like a incredible suburban neighborhood that was uber safe. And there were kids everywhere and mailboxes and white picket fence, like the whole thing. Right. (laughs) And so for me to say, I don't like my life, that is so Mm. shameful. I would not, I refuse to deal with it for years and years and years. But what that was hiding was, was this, was this incredible life that I love now. I had no idea that you could enjoy sex, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) And we love that journey for you so much. Your advice is enjoy sex. Right? Yes. That's what we'll go down to. No, I just think (laughs) if you take this time during quarantine to practice that, to practice observing your thoughts, actions, feelings, and not judging them, you're going to discover things about yourself that you never knew were there. And you're going to come out of this like, so in love with yourself it's awesome it's awesome or or you can keep the blanket of shame on those things that are in your head hiding that's an option too and as someone who has been under a blanket for the past seven months you know there's there's better options out there yes lift the blanket lift the take off the blanket (laughs) i love that and i hope i do hope that we have some people who are a bit more mindful in our audience now who can really love themselves more. I think that's great. Awesome. I think that's a perfect way to end it. <laughs> I so, think so too. Let's head into our Q and gay. Q, 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 and gay. So here's our first Q and gay question. Number one, are you a late bloomer? A, yes, or B, no? A. 
Yes. <laughs> I Good like answer. how you're very seriously like taking. I'm, I'm yeah. expecting you to like write them down for us. On my Scantron, I have bubbled A. <laughs> Question two. What has been your biggest COVID parenting challenge? A, explaining COVID uh, to your kids. B, more time at home. C, boundary pushing. Or D, distance learning. Okay, honestly, the hardest part has been my 10-year-old is back in school full-time um, with masks mm. and everything. And she's not allowed to hug her teachers. She's not allowed to hug anyone. And that's incredibly hard for her. She cries every day going to school because she can't get uh. that like physical affection that she needs. She's just a physical touch junkie. So that for me, that's been the hardest thing. My daughter leaving every morning in tears. Oh, yeah. that well, soul. that's just sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. We're being honest. But yeah, we're that's... being honest. But like, I just want to give her a hug. Now. I know. I want to do. You want to do the thing we're not supposed to do. I know, right? I miss hugs. I was just saying that to some, like one of our friends, like last week or something. I was like, I feel like. You know, like, I've always been, like, a good, like, I like hugs mm-hmm. with friends. I'm like, man, we get out of this and we get to, like, actually hang out again. And I'm just going to be like, hello, hi, uh-huh. how are you? Let's just have dinner like this. I'm just, I just want, like, I just want to have physical contact with humans. Like, I, get it. I just miss hugging people. Physical <laughs> touch, number one love language. I get your daughter is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, our next question. Okay. Who were you most scared to come out to? A, your parents, B, your children, C, your friends, or D, your coworkers? My children by far, by far, yeah. I could give a shit about everyone else's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. There you go. <laughs> Question four. Uh, have you come to any surprising self-realizations during quarantine? A, yes, or B, no? A, Ooh, I like it. Just the just the just, answer, no details. Yes, good. Yes, Lisa's guessing. Uh-huh. All right, final question. Were you raised by A, straight parents, B, LGBTQ parents, C, other family members, or D, raisins, which Lee has informed me are is another word for the people who raised you? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I was raised by A, straight parents. Me as well. And yet we all turned out okay. You yes. Know? <laughs> And clearly by that, I mean, we're all gay anyways. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes. And I do. My my mother has been a very supportive straight ally. Honestly, Aww. I think she'll love this episode. Aww. Oh, yeah. I bet she will. <laughs> yes. Remember, you can give us your own answers to this episode's Q&A questions on our Twitter at Les Hangout Pod. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a wonderful three-tracked, ten-track <laughs> conversation. For our listeners, where can they find you online? On social media. Yeah. So the website is prideandjoyfoundation.com. Let's see. Instagram is pridejoyfoundation. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're everywhere. I just got on TikTok and I am so, oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like a master's degree in lesbianism. Well, also, are there any upcoming projects that you want our listeners to know about? We are hoping in the springtime we are going to have our very first Pride and Joy Summit, which will be an in-person conference that will invite oh my those God. three groups to come together in person. We are, we had hoped to do it last year, and of course, COVID. But we were so excited because we had like programming for everyone, like the queer adults, the straight adults, 
the straight kids of queer parents, like that whole mind fuckery. And the queer kids with the straight parents and the allies, right? We had programming for all of them. And the most popular class, can I tell you what that was? And I can't wait for us to do it again. The most popular class was mom and child come to this class. A drag queen is going to teach you how to do your hair and makeup. Incredible. It, it was like sold out. Yes. <laughs> I love I'm it. I'm definitely, my mom would die to go to this. Like, okay, I'm going to go with her. You have like how much time to have kids so that we can go? Because we have to go. Well, I can still go. I'm going with I will you. be the child. You and can borrow. Oh, yeah. Okay. You can do that. I was going to say you can borrow one of mine, but like, yeah, it's fine. Do that. Do that instead. Like, it's fine that I'm already like a well adjusted adult. We just want to go for the drag. Hey, queens. everyone there needs a needs a good example of like here's a here's a happy supportive mom. Exactly, and, and my mom always still is asking questions. Like she'll love it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I like your mom. Okay, great. You send us the dates. <laughs> She's we'll be great. There. <laughs> we're we're those people who just invited themselves to like your wedding. We're like, oh my god, great! I can't wait to buy a dress for it. <laughs> That's so cool. Yes. Who am I kidding? Like, I don't who, wear dresses. Are we planning the bachelorette? Great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us. It really has been such a joy. So glad. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for having the platform and developing the platform and making it awesome and then passing the mic. Like, I really appreciate that. Let me hear you say hip, 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 We love hearing from you and building community. So we want to shout out some of our favorite things each episode. This episode, I would love to thank all of you who donated to the Flame crowdfunding campaign You do not understand how life-changing this musical is for Lee and I. It is insane that we get to work with such incredibly talented people and that all of you believe in us. It really means the world. I'd also like to specifically thank Lisa Steinberg from Starry Mag. She has been so supportive, constantly retweeting, sharing it out. And so I just wanted to give a shout out to Lisa specifically. There have been so many of you like Lisa who have done everything they can in their power to make this successful, and it was because of you. So thank you so much. And as always, we'd like to thank our Lesbian Jesus patrons, Mark Foster, Jess Klaus, Tanya Ferguson, Danny Griswold, Jacqueline Rosenshino, Sarah and Julia, Carrie Ann Lawrence, Danny gunlock Tamora, Brittany Ray, Alana Rosen, Tara Gleason, and our King Princess patrons, Amy and Ellen, Leah Henley, Liz Chen, Wendy K. Bartlett, and Evelyn Smith. And thank you as always for all of you for supporting us. Remember, you can also find us on all the social medias. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Les Hangout Pod. You can email us at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. Or you can check out our website at leshangoutpod.com. Make sure you subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes drop. We're also still putting videos up on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe at youtube.com slash leshangoutpod to catch them. If you want to support the podcast, the easiest way to do that is to rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the podcast. And we just love hearing all of the glowing reviews that you have about our beautiful podcast. If you want to help support us financially, you can join our Patreon. We have so many fun things. We, You know we love our Patreon Discord chat. We've had a couple new people joining us there lately, and it's been a lot of fun. You can find that at bit.ly slash lespatreon. If you want to get some Les Hangout merch, now is the perfect time to do it. Get your holiday gay swag for your gay cousin, your gay friends, your gay aunt. My gay aunt has so much of our merch. Your gay self. Your gay self. Get yourself something or tell all your family to get it for you. 
And you can do that at bit.ly slash shop. If you want to follow us individually, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LSH Foster. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Ellie Brigida. With that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And, and let's, let's hang, hang out, out again, again soon. soon. Let's hang out. out.